The first man had three wishes. Yes. I don't know what the first two were, but the third was for death. That's how I got the paw. The Monkey's Paw, W.W. Jacobs. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Leases. Today we're talking about one of the favorite tools in foreshadowing, and that is foreshadowing through dialogue. These are things that the characters say either intentionally or unintentionally that help bring a context to everything that's happening, as well as make the story extra enjoyable the second time around. Sometimes the characters don't even realize they're saying it. But the readers realize it the second time around, and that's when they go, but you just said the thing. That is the thing. How do you not know the thing? And it's a lot of fun because it really does ramp up that reader engagement. There is a moment in Game of Thrones where two characters are traveling and one is telling the other just basically to shut up or we'll never get to your uncle's bloody wedding in time. And the word bloody is used as a swear word by this guy. But if you know anything about Game of Thrones, it was literally a bloody wedding (laughs) later on. These little moments where unless you know what's happening in the future, it's easy to overlook can be so delicious to write. They can be overt. They can be covert. It all depends on how you want to go about it. But it is a fun tool to use. And a lot of the ones that we are going to talk about today overlap quite a bit. You can use them together, you can use them apart, whatever, just make sure it's intentional. You can also overlap them with other types of foreshadowing that we're talking about this month. Things like the breadcrumbing can happen in dialogue as well as outside of dialogue. So the majority of what we're talking about today, we're going over the tools. This is one way that you can think about inserting foreshadowing into your dialogue. First off, of course, there is the joke. I feel like this was a Final Destination kind of thing where, oh, it's not like the plane is going to crash. Okay. (laughs) That automatically tells the reader, something bad is going to happen on that airplane. Why would you say this in a book? Don't you know you're in a book? Things like that. And when a character says goodbye at the end of a phone call, you know it means something. You know it's going to be dramatic. So even if it's light and fluffy in the moment, the reader is going to go, oh, there's something to that. You can also introduce this as a piece of backstory, such as the last three detectives to investigate this all committed suicide. Immediately, the reader is going to go, but did they really? Whatever it is that actually happened to those last three, we can guess it's going to happen to this next detective as well. There is foreshadowing in the dialogue about what has happened, like our opener quote, that means indirectly something ominous is going to happen to your hero as well. Another great tool to lean on for designing foreshadowing in your story is how you design a character in themselves. Something about this character becomes foreshadowing for later on. If the character says, oh, there's no such thing as aliens... Well, there weren't until you said something. (laughs) This just gives me Asterian vibes from Baldur's Gate 3, where you come across a exsanguinated boar. 
And if you do the checks on it to figure out what happened to it and you start asking him about, oh, what do you think? He gets all super sketchy and dodgy about it. It's like, oh, I'm sure it's nothing. Like, it's fine. And it might be vampires, but it's, it's fine. Let's just ignore this. And his beautiful foreshadowing for who he is and revealing later that he is a vampire if it wasn't obvious by the very blatant puncture marks in his neck. <laughs> But it is part of the character's design, how they react to things, how they say things, can all give you clues about what they really are, or those foreshadowing events to reveal those plot twists. If you want to do a study on foreshadowing, another great option is Jurassic Park. Especially the movie is where I see a lot of it, but it's been a while since I read the book. But there are a lot of good moments designed into the characters that create foreshadowing. Ian Malcolm introduces us to what chaos theory is. And then Dr. Sattler leaves and he's like, well, that's chaos theory for you. You never know quite what's going to happen. When they have the conversation of dinosaurs eat man and she goes, women inherit the earth. All of the dinosaurs are female. So it's a little joke between characters as part of dialogue that is completely in character for everyone to say, but it's foreshadowing for what's about to happen. Another way that you can introduce foreshadowing through dialogue is via a tertiary character. Shakespeare was a big fan of starting his stories with a prologue by an insignificant character that just tells the story outright. Romeo and Juliet they're gonna die. In Macbeth, it's the witches doing their little chant thing. I mentioned this last episode. In the beginning of Gremlins, the person who we never really see again, I think he pops up at the very end, who sells this pet, says, these are the things not to do. And they're just like, no, it's a cute pet. What can go wrong? The answer is everything. Everything can go wrong. One of the reasons that this tertiary character works really well for giving these ominous foreshadowing lines of dialogue is that the hero is on their own. If it was the mentor character who did it instead of this person on the street going, don't drink the coffee today, or the street prophet, the world is ending, there's no way the hero can go find that street prophet again. They can find the mentor character and go, wait, can you explain that to me now that I understand the context of the foreshadowing you gave three scenes ago? Tertiary characters are highly undervalued in foreshadowing, but so fantastic in execution. Another way for foreshadowing is through prophecy. Now, this is, of course, one to be careful with. Prophecy is its own trope, so be careful on that. We are going to talk about it more next episode. But it can be even as simple as a character going, I've got a weird feeling. Romeo did this at the beginning of the story before going to the Capulet's party. And this goes in with the breadcrumbing and misdirection we talked about last episode. Oh, the weird feeling was because he fell in love, which kicked off this cataclysmic set of events that destroyed two families. But the character just saying, something strange is about to happen, can give the reader an idea to lean forward and listen close. This is all over in Star Wars with, I've got a bad feeling about this. I have made it my life's goal to eliminate the line out of all of Hollywood. I can feel it. <laughs> there are better ways to say it, I promise. <laughs> 
but that's effectively what this type of accidental prophecy by a character is. Another great tool in dialogue, it's a little more obvious, is simply warning another character. Hey, the last guy who had this thing, his final wish was for death. Be careful with this monkey's paw. So in Bambi, just before she gets shot, Bambi's mom explains the dangers of humans to Bambi. It is a way to foreshadow what's happening by explaining that whatever this thing is, is dangerous. Whatever this thing is, should be avoided. And sometimes it can't be. So if it's your second time watching Bambi, and you see mom giving this speech about how dangerous these human creatures are, and you know what's happening next, it's extra heart-wrenching. I think one of the great ways that this has been done recently is Edna Mode in Incredibles, no capes. And in the end, Syndrome is taken down by his cape. And of course, if you're doing foreshadowing in dialogue, accidental can be great. I mentioned in the beginning that Game of Thrones has the bloody wedding commentary. Accidental foreshadowing there. Another good example of this is in Brave when Merida and her mother get into a very heated argument and Merida ends up calling her mom a beast. And later, through the course of things, her mom gets turned into a bear or, you know, a beast. These accidental little moments aren't for the benefit of the reader in that moment. We're caring about the argument between mother and daughter. We aren't caring about the actual language that's between them. This is for the benefit of somebody who's watching or reading your story a second, third, fourth time. And then when they pick up, hey, she called her a beast, that's foreshadowing. This author is really good at what they do. Another fun thing to do when it comes to this foreshadowing through dialogue or foreshadowing in general is dramatic irony. This is often set up through dialogue. So if you do plan to end it with dramatic irony, consider starting it with that dialogue as laying the base. For some reason, this is a huge favorite of tragedies. What do you think you're going to get bitten by a shark and then you go on the hunt for draws? <laughs> These kinds of dramatic irony that end in tragedy, that start light. The Titanic's unsinkable. Duh. There's no way we're going to drown three quarters of the way across the Atlantic. <laughs> Dialogue is such a useful tool when you are trying to present foreshadowing. It is so easily dismissed or forgotten that if you want it to be subtle, it absolutely can be. But it can also be that thing that the reader attaches to and goes, oh, oh, I know what's going to happen here, and they feel like they just figured out a big puzzle. It gets them really invested into the story. So please use this tool to the best of your ability. And use the tool to write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 